There is no thing or no one that can separate us from the truth that we are all children of God. It is among the most fascinating of details in human history that these words, sung just now by our sanctuary choir, derived from the mind and the pen of the Apostle Paul. From the man who, in our first scripture lesson this morning, stood by and approved of the stoning of Stephen. The man who, after Stephen's stoning, went from city to city, house to house, rounding up people who professed Jesus as Lord and went dragging them all off to prison. That man, it's nearly impossible to believe, as the one who later wrote, that all have been made one in Christ Jesus, and that because of Christ Jesus, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Yes, dear family, in a sermon series on change, we can do no better than to consider the fascinating figure of Saul of Tarsus. A Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, a scholar who studied at the feet of the learned rabbi Gamaliel, a rising star in the Jewish community, a guardian of the tradition, and a man deeply uncomfortable with any change to it. Saul, who will, of course, soon enough become the Apostle Paul, was a man deeply antagonistic toward the Christian development that was taking place within his community. Look no further than Acts chapters 7 and 8, where Stephen gives his extended sermon on the figure of Jesus. And on how Jesus was the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. And on how this new Jesus movement within Judaism was the very will of God. Yes, look no further than this sermon and Paul's response to it. And you'll quickly see just how averse Paul was to this new development that was taking place. Now, for some context, let us remember, Stephen's sermon was not an isolated event. It's not just the lunatic ravings of one zealous believer. Paul might have been able to handle that. No, instead, Stephen represented a growing number of people for this new Jesus movement was daily picking up steam. Against all odds, person after person within Judaism had been converting to it. In fact, so popular was it that people outside of Judaism were being converted into the movement. You want to talk about a crisis? Inviting in people who hadn't even been circumcised? Even those who first were zealous for this new development were leery of that. 
No, we must remember what Saul was reacting to here in Acts chapters 7 and 8. It's not an isolated thing. For there was much unrest in the air at that time. And thus it baffles the mind still to this day, 2,000 years later, that somehow amid those times of turbulence, a man is deeply resistant to what was happening. A man given to such abject certainty in his defiance to it would be the one who'd later write that all have been made one in Christ Jesus and that because of Christ Jesus, nothing can separate us from God's love. It's astonishing. Yes, if we will have ears to hear, we might just learn something yet from the Apostle Paul. For as great a gift as Paul is to the Christian church, he is perhaps never more of a gift than in the way that his life reminds us that even in the face of our most abject certainties, we can later realize that we were wrong or that we knew only in part or that we were limited by our own circumstances and experiences. Paul approved of these things, Acts tells us, concerning not only the persecution of, but in fact the stoning of Stephen. He was that certain in his conviction. But then, of course, Paul underwent a conversion, a change of heart, a 180-degree turn in perspective. And when this happened, that which had seemed so obviously righteous to Paul in the beginning suddenly seemed to him so obviously wrong, so obviously regrettable, so much so that he regretted it for the rest of his life. And not only that, and this is hugely significant, not only that, no sooner had Paul changed his mind on these things than he suddenly became more boundary-pushing than the very people he'd earlier been trying to throw in jail. Just read the rest of the book of Acts. Or for that matter, just read Paul's own letter to the Galatians. And listen to him describe his public quarrel with the Apostle Peter over these things. It's remarkable. Yes, all of a sudden, this same Paul, this same man who had been utterly resistant to the changes taking place within his community, all of a sudden, this same Paul wanted to go further than even those like Peter and Stephen who'd first advocated for them. For you see, Paul, unlike folks like Peter and Stephen, had suddenly had a Holy Spirit-inspired experience with these uncircumcised Gentile believers. 
And consequently, that experience caused Paul to see everything about this new Christian movement, including its possibilities for the future, differently than he or even people like Peter and Stephen originally had. Thus, by the time that Paul was arranging for the council that would ultimately decide the matter of the uncircumcised believers, the council in our scripture lesson from chapter 15 that staved off a massive conflict and that underscored the point that we are all children of God, by that time, (laughs) this Paul had gone from being someone utterly resistant to changes taking place around him to someone now pushing to expand them. It is a stunning reversal. And the object lesson to be learned from this, at least for our purposes this morning, is that despite our feelings of either certainty or perplexity during times of crisis and change, we as people of faith need to be able to hold space for all manner of people and possibilities. For as Paul's life so aptly exemplifies Even our most abject certainties can, over time, much to our great surprise, grow less and less certain under the mysterious guidance and prodding of the Holy Spirit. For remember, Paul writes later to the Corinthians, Surely drawing upon his own background and experience. For remember, for now we know only in part. Dear family, for my money, these are among the most important words in the New Testament. For now, on this side of things, on this side of the veil, For now, we know only in part. And that is why we do best as human beings and as Christians to remain humble and gracious and kind in our lives. Particularly during times of change and disruption and unrest like the present. For it is a law of history that what we think we know for certain today might in fact be proven wrong tomorrow and that what we feel certain God wants for us and for the world tomorrow may in fact be something that God is in the process of rewriting in our hearts this very moment. Yes, to conclude this third sermon in our series on change and disruption, I simply want to draw our attention to the fascinating figure of the Apostle Paul and to the object lesson we learn from him 
that just as there is no such thing as a view from nowhere in this life, neither is there such thing as a view from no when. Paul's story reminds us that we are all located within a particular historical moment informed by our own specific backgrounds and experiences, none of us certain what the future holds for us or what the Spirit of God might be up to next. One day we may be railing against something with abject certainty. The next day we may very well be the one advocating most vocally for it. We just never really know. And that's why in the end, Paul's landing place with the Galatians and Paul's landing place with the Romans is so important a place for us to land ourselves, which is to say with his simple contention that in Christ Jesus all have been made one and that because of Christ Jesus nothing can separate us from the love of God. Or put more simply still, with his conviction that we are all children of God. Yes, if in a time of change and unrest like the present, we can affirm these foundational Christian convictions. And if against the tide of culture, we can forsake those who'd pick up stones and can instead partner with those who demonstrate kindness and graciousness and generosity of spirit. Well, then, if so... In such a time, we might be able to affect the same kind of peace that Paul and Peter were able to affect during their own time of unrest and disagreement some 2,000 years ago. Just as we might well also be able to save ourselves from some of the same personal regret that someone like Paul had to live with for the rest of his life. Yes, we are all children of God. No thing and no one can ever separate us from that. And the change at the center of the Apostle Paul's life reminds us how very important it is that we remember that. Amen.